Hi, and you're welcome again to Faith and Living with Rhythm. Now, this part is supposed to come in some drum rolls like... boom. <laughs> okay, yeah. You're welcome again to Faith and Living with Rhythm. And I hope you had a good time with the last two episodes that I put up on. Um, these episodes are actually serial, so it's important that you listen from the first, the second, and then you listen to this final wrap-up. I'm trying to wrap up this part of how to study your Bible in this third session. Um, actually, we've covered about an hour, 10 minutes or so of teaching already, and that should give you a good, I mean, start up a good basic. I mean, this is not a Bible school. I mean, it's not the whole Bible school, you know, details and all the terms and jargons and all that, but it's something that at least should put you on a, on a good stand for you to start reading your Bible. So I hope you listen to the first two episodes and what we covered. So far, we have covered, I mean, topics, uh, I mean, Areas around how the Bible was put together, I mean, the different parts of the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament, and what makes up this book. You need to read that in episode one. Or sorry, you need to listen to that in episode one. And we all, we've also covered the different translations. I mean, the third translation that I was trying to remember the other time was free translation. So we talked about the free translation, the literal translation, and also the uh, dynamic equivalence. And I told you the translations that I use. So please listen to episode one and two if you want to follow that up. And the best translations for you to use and the Bible apps to use and the softwares to use on your laptop if you want to truly study. So yeah, I hope you really gathered that. And really, really, why I said these episodes are important is because you will these episodes will form the background or the basic foundation for every other teachings we're going to have from here onwards i mean there's going to be so many teachings we will do and this episode is actually these episodes rather are the ones that would help you to gain a foundational i mean uh, understanding on how to read your bible so yeah i hope that you have started reading your bible and i remember the last episode i talked about you picking a particular, book, a particular book in the Bible and try to read it through and see and follow the steps that I put so far. And I really hope that it made a lot of sense to you because it's really important that um, the difference is this, you know, we've got a lot of Christians who are more sermon listening Christians than Bible reading Christians. And actually that's a very, very bad recipe for growth. If you truly want to grow, then you've got to be a Bible reading believer. And that's why this podcast is set up. It's not just set up for you to listen to the sermon, but it's also set up for you to have your Bible beside you and we read together. So it's going to be a Bible study journey and it could take a year for us to go through the whole Bible. We will actually go through the whole Bible and we will study it together. And you would have a wonderful understanding of all this. But um, I really, really um, hope that you're not just going to be listening to the podcast without actually studying your Bible. Too many sermon believing Christians. I mean, sermons are great. Sermons are good. But like I said, if you want to be like the people in Berea, it's important that when you listen to sermons, you come back home and you check your Bible. So let's go further into this last part of this episode where I'm going to talk about, I mean, I want to find out how to study your Bible in details. I mean, I don't want to have to go back to this again. So um, I finally, last one, the last one I, I talked about, don't read the Bible in a rush. That's really very, very important. Do not read it in a rush. I mean, it's okay if you just want to get a verse, I mean, in your heart and then you want to go through the day. But if you truly want to read your Bible, do not approach it in a rush. So today I'll continue again. Now, understand that also while we talk about the different books in the Bible, the Bible consists of about three major themes. I mean, the narratives, 
the poetry and then there's also prose or which is sometimes called discourse now the narrative part of the bible is about 43 percent about about half of the bible 43 to 44 percent of the bible and this part contains mostly history these are narratives i mean the, the the history parables and also biographies you know if you follow the gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it was mostly the biography of Jesus Christ, and that's a narrative. And then also we, we have parables in there. And also we have poetry in the Bible. The Bible has poetry, and poetry is, you, you actually know what poetry is, right? The use of words and different uh, metaphors and figurative expressions, and then you just want to convey a message. But usually, you know, most times you do not take poems um, literally. You take them you get the message behind them. That's actually the, the, the essence of poetry. You just communicate it in very nice words and rhyming words and in rhyming ways and different, you know, literature and stuff like that. But the idea is the message behind the poem. And then we have the prose, which is a natural discourse. You know, this, uh, you know, uh, you just have a normal, it flows in normal everyday grammar. I mean, everyday English, it's like a normal discourse. It's like, a, it's something you don't need to pay. I mean, you don't need extra intelligence to understand. It's just a normal flow of conversation, which we also have that. A lot of um, epistles in the New Testament are prose. They're, they're, they're just discourse. I mean, you just follow the normal English, like Paul speaking to the church in currency, did the same thing like that. So, yeah, uh, for most part of the, especially the Old Testament, the poetry part actually makes up about 33% of the entire Bible. You find um, poems in mixed in, if you go, if you, if, when, when we studied the New Testament, or rather the Old Testament, you're going to see a mixture of um, narrative, and then you're going to see poetry, and then you see it back to discourse, you know, but mostly narrative and poetry. It's a mixture of that in the Old Testament. And a lot of the prophets spoke in poems, uh, with poems rather, and then... Um, also, some parts, uh, wisdom books had poems like Ecclesiastes and you find Songs of Solomon. Songs of Solomon or Songs of Songs actually is a heavily poetic book and we're going to actually study that in the light of Christ one time. Um, also, but the major, uh, the, mo the, the book that has the most collection of poems was actually the book of Psalms. This book of Psalms has lots and lots of poems and they were all put together, but when we get to start looking at the book of Psalms, you're going to see the connection between the first Psalms and then towards the end. You're really going to see that it wasn't actually just a bunch of poems poured in there. But, you know, in the old times, in the ancient Hebrew times, these people, kings wrote poems, uh, people wrote poems, prophets wrote poems. And most of them even actually sang in poems because that was the way they could communicate. They would sing in the, in the temple. They would sing at home and they would just read these poems and it was actually a way of life then. I mean, the, the, the idea of spoken word or poetry didn't actually start with modern man. It actually goes far back, far back, ancient uh, centuries ago. I mean, but um, yeah, so they started with, uh, they, 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 they sing with poems. So all these poems, the most popular ones, were actually put together in the book of Psalms and then we have all of them. I mean... David wrote a whole lot of them, I mean, about 70% or something of all the uh, poems in Psalm. But um, we have other writers in the book of Psalms. It's actually generally believed that David wrote all of the Psalms, but no. 
he wrote a whole lot of a huge chunk of them, but then there were other writers of uh, poet, uh, poems, rather, or songs, or psalms, rather, in the book of Psalms. So, yeah, we have this, I mean, so you need to understand, why, why am I mentioning this? Why am I saying there's narrative, there's prose, and then there's um, poems? The reason I'm saying this is so that when you start reading your Bible, you will be able to pay attention. Is this a poem, or is this a narrative? Or is this, uh, um, how do I call this, is this a, a discourse? Your understanding of this will help you in understanding or comprehending what you read. Because most times, for instance, you come across a poem and you're not getting the message behind it. It's, it's like saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Uh, he, 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 it puts me beside the still waters. Now, the question is, if you want to take that literally, are you lying down in green pastures? You know, <laughs> you're not a cow, you're not a goat. So do you lie down in green pastures? But you see that the writer is taking a cue or is taking inspiration from, um, um, from cows eating green pasture and the idea behind it. So when you're studying the book of Psalms, especially Psalm 23, you're not thinking of literal green pastures, but you're getting the message behind it. And, you know, he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, are you walking through the valley of the shadow of death? I will fear no evil. Are you actually walking through? I mean, some people in my country, you know, say things like when you say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, they say, hey, what am I even doing there in the first place? But yeah, you're not walking through the valley of shadow of death, but you're getting the message that the Lord is always with you through the dark times or the dark moments in life. And, you know, things like he anointed my head with oil, my cup overflows it. You're thinking of a literal time where God pours oil on your head and then you, your cup is overflowing. No, actually, it's the message. But the writer is actually using symbols or figurative expressions to pass across the message. So when you come across such kind of poems or uh, i mean poetic writing you you pay attention more you when you come across such poetic writings you realize that uh, uh uh it's the message that matters and not it's the message that actually matters and not the not the literal writings i'm sorry i'm actually pausing yeah so we have the poetic writings and then also um you need to understand and also in the narrative sessions when you're reading narrative the writers the one who's putting down the writing is you must understand that there are some key characters in the narrative so when i'm reading a history there's something overarching i'm not just reading uh, the, the the history is not just put in the bible for the sake of putting a bible no there's a reason, there's a character, or there's a strong character. Just like when you watch a movie, there are always the strong characters, the minor characters, there's um, the B-shots and stuff like that. But still, there's a main character, and then there's a main plot that is followed. So these are things you pay attention to. So what did I say now? We have poetry, narrative, and we also have discourse, or which is called prose, in the Bible. Yeah, I want to make sure that I wrap up this part in how to study your Bible in this particular episode so now also get this that the bible itself though it is made up of different books from genesis to malachi and from matthew to revelation 
it's not just random books. It's not just random unconnected books. Get this. It's really important that you get this stuff. It's not just random unconnected books like Malachi is just standing on its own and then Exodus is just there for the sake of Exodus and then you go through Corinthians and it's just there. No. All these books together in the Bible form up a story. Get this. The Bible itself has a unifying overarching story. It has a message that when you're reading through the book of Genesis through to Revelation, there is an important message that needs to be gotten and there is an important message that is passed across. So when you're reading the Bible again, you're not just reading unconnected books for the sake of memory. No, you're understanding a whole book with the overarching message or the story. So you see, we have the story where it starts with, in the beginning, God created Adam and Eve and then all the creation. And then there's a story of creation. And then we go further. And then there's a story of the flood and then Noah. And then there's a story of Abraham. And then from there, we get the story of Jacob. And then there's a, there's a country that is birthed out of Jacob, which is called Israel. And then Israel has 12 tribes. Can you see this? And then these 12 tribes get, um, they get a law which is given to them that sets them apart. Are you getting this storyline? That sets them apart. But then we keep going down and then we find somebody called David. And then David has a throne that lasts forever. And then we keep going down. And then there's a promise of a king who's going to come in the book of Isaiah. Or there's a promise of somebody who's going to come through a virgin birth. And then in the, in the New Testament, then we find the birth of somebody called Jesus Christ. And then he grows up, he dies on the cross, and then he rose again. And then from the moment he rose, then we see the story of disciples preaching message about him. So a whole lot of focus after he died and rose became a focus on Christ. And then the message continues like that. And then in the book of Revelation, we find out that there is a new world to come, which is going to be with people who are in Christ. Can you see? This is a long process of message from Genesis to Revelation. And all that I just narrated is the whole story of the Bible. With one primary message. So if, I, if you have your Bible, you could turn to... 2 Timothy, I think it's 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And it, it's a classic scripture we use. I mean, for those of you who listen to Pastor Onoinka. Uh, and yeah, so we see here it says, um, I'm coming. I want to say, I think it's 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Oh my God, why am I always. Yeah. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. I'm reading for an NIV, the International Version. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting. Now, all scripture, when it says all scripture, uh, I need to uh, make you understand something. that When um, the books in the New Testament were written, I mean, rather, okay, Timothy is a, is a book in the New Testament. Now, what, as at the point where this particular letter was written to Timothy by Paul, there was no Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There was no book called the books of the New Testament. So every time they refer to scripture, they were referring to books in the Old Testament. So 
most of them, I mean, a lot of understanding of the New Testament came from the Old Testament. That's, that's actually to fight, you know, when people say the Old Testament are not actually important, but they are, because the new first century Christians, I mean, the early Christians, they used the Old Testament to understand the gospel of salvation. So, now, in 2 Timothy 3.16, he says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, if you go back to 15, there's something important there. He says, how, talking to Timothy, says, how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. Now, these Holy Scriptures are scriptures that have been set aside. The word holy means set apart. Holy Scriptures, scriptures or writings that have been set apart, which are able to make you wise for what? Salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, what Paul is inferring here is, when I'm reading the old Holy Scriptures, rather, which are the set-apart scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures made up of Torah, Nevi'im, and Ketuvim, when I read all this part in the Old Testament, there's something that I should be wise unto, or there's something that it should communicate to me, and it is salvation, which is faith, in Christ Jesus. So, if I'm reading the whole Bible and I'm going through from Genesis to Malachi, there's something that I should get a good understanding of. There's a story that I should comprehend. It's the story of salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So, and you know, most of the times, you know, it's just like when you watch a movie. A good plot, usually, you're only able to put the pieces together at the end of the movie. Or at the end of the, yeah, at the end of the movie, yeah. Towards the end of the movie, then you start making sense of what happened in the beginning. Sometimes you have to watch a movie two, three times. And then you really realize, oh, wow, this is why he did it. Why? Because when you get to the end and you read it from the end, you get to understand what happened in the beginning. And this is the same way with the Bible. A whole lot of writings in the writings rather in the Old Testament where uh, they were mostly Paul calls it they were mystery, hidden from the ages past. I mean, people couldn't understand; they couldn't put the pieces together. In the book of First Peter, he said something about how the prophets of old did not know what manner of time the the the, the, the salvation was going to happen that was prophesied through them. All they knew is. Something was going to happen, but they couldn't tell when this particular time was going to, when it was going to come, they just didn't know. So, when the pieces were there in the Old Testament, but by the time we get to the New Testament, now, after Christ is revealed, they get the understanding of, oh... This is what God meant in Genesis. Ooh, this is what Isaiah meant. Why? Because Christ, or the end of the New Testament, or the New Testament rather, now sheds more light to the story of the Bible. So, if I'm reading the Bible, I got to understand that there is, there is a message being communicated. I got to understand that there is something that God, God is passing across. And if I don't get that, then I haven't 
actually read the Bible well. This is why I'm guiding you in reading the Bible. So in first Timothy, second Timothy chapter three verse fifteen, it says, "The Scriptures are able to make you wise unto salvation, which is through faith in Christ Jesus." And now, um, in the book of Luke twenty-four, if you have your Bibles, the book of Luke chapter twenty-four, I think it's verse forty-four. Now. Uh, Jesus had died, and then they couldn't find his body. This was the time when Jesus died on the cross, and then he rose, and they couldn't find the body in the tomb, and a lot of things uh, started happening. Uh, and they couldn't make sense, I mean, of what was going on. So Jesus comes up in the book of Luke 24, verse 44, and then he said, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses. Guys, what did I say about the law of Moses in our first teachings? Law of Moses is called Torah. Torah. I told you the Old Testament is made up of Tanakh. His law of Moses is called Torah. And then I talked about the Nevi'im. It says the prophets, the Nevi'im. And then I talked about the writings, the Ketuvim, right? So, so he says... This is what I do. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses. And the Bible says, Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Remember I told you about um, an Ethiopian eunuch who was reading the Bible in the book of Acts. Remember the story? I think I mentioned it very well in Acts chapter 17. And then he says he couldn't understand. Do you understand what you read? That's actually Acts chapter 8, verse 30. And he couldn't understand it. Now, you see, because a whole lot of the Old Testament were written, but the story wasn't complete yet. So by the time we get to the New Testament, the story, or let me not say New Testament, by the time Jesus comes and then he dies and rose again, the story became complete. Now they could make sense of it. So Jesus says in Luke chapter 24, verse 45, he opened their minds so they could understand scripture. Which meant up until that time, they still weren't getting the overarching message of the Bible, of all the writings. But Jesus opens. Now, there was a time where he, okay, if you go earlier to Luke chapter 24, they couldn't find his body. And then some guys, it's Jesus on the way to Emmaus, some guys were discussing. And let me go up to Luke chapter 24. Now, verse 13, now on the same day, two of the men were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Verse 15, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. This was Jesus after I had risen from the dead. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? And do not know the things that have happened in these days, there in these days. And then Jesus asked, what things he asked? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, can you see this? A powerful in, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. In 20, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. In verse 20, 21, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. What is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early in the morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. 
And he said to them, this is what Jesus replied. Now listen to Jesus' reply. He says, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. All that the what? The prophets. I've told, I've told you about the major prophets and the minor prophets in the Old Testament. Now, did not Christ have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Now, pause there. What Jesus is saying here is, if I'm reading the prophets, there's something I was supposed to get here. Jesus' suffering and his glory. So when he, when he says, how foolish you are, slow of art, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. These are the books in the Old Testament. And then he says, did not Christ have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And in 27 he says, and then beginning from Moses. Again, when you see a word says or sentences and beginning from Moses or beginning with Moses, what do I what does it mean? We talked about this before in the first episode. Torah. Torah or the book of the law or the law of Moses or most times referred to as Moses. So when Jesus says, I'm beginning with Moses, it just definitely meant that Jesus began from Genesis. Because that's the first book of Moses. So he began from Genesis, and then he went through Exodus, to Leviticus, to Deuteronomy, to Numbers, and to, you know, the first five books of the Bible. So we see that he began from Moses, and then all the prophets, I mean, come on, he says all the prophets, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now, this, this actually makes a whole lot of sense when you see this like this. I mean, I don't think it was just a one-sentence conversation. I mean, for you to explain from Genesis in all the prophets, it, almost, it actually almost literally meant that Jesus explained from the Tanakh, the Torah, the Nevi'im, the Ketuvim. That is talking about the law of Moses or the books of Moses, the writings, the prophets, every one of them, Jesus explained all that the scripture said concerning himself. So it was basically Jesus doing something like this. In case you missed the story, as a matter of fact, he says they were foolish because they couldn't get the message. He says, in case you missed this story, this is what all these books were connected. This is what they were passing. I was a major message in the Bible, or I am the message in scriptures. This is talking about Christ Jesus. So he says, he explained to them, and then also by the time he got to the house of disciples, and then he ate with them in Luke chapter 24, verse 44 that we read earlier, we see that Jesus also did the same thing. In 45, he says, he opened their minds so they could understand scriptures. This was proper exegesis that Jesus did. He did a proper teaching from the Old Testament. And they were able to understand what the story or what the message of the Bible is. And friends, from this, you understand that if you're reading the Bible, there is a message. And Christ is that message or and salvation. You, you, so when you read it, you see the story of salvation all through the Bible and how it's all culminating or peaking up in Christ Jesus. 
And then when Christ is revealed and he rose from the dead in the books of the New Testament, the focus turns on Christ alone. So the message is about Christ, the gospel is about Christ, but it had already been there from the beginning. In the book of Romans chapter 1, Paul says something, Paul is servant of Jesus Christ. Romans 1 verse 1, Paul is servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel the news of God, the good news of God, the gospel he promised beforehand. Can you see this? God promised a gospel beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Remember I said again, when you see Holy Scriptures, they're not referring to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because these books were not written at this time, but they were referring to the books in the books of Moses, the Nevim, the Ketuvim. Yeah. So he says, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. And in verse 3 he says, regarding who? His son. And who is God's son? Jesus Christ. Regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David. And who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be what? The son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him and for his namesake, we received grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. But this is not my focus for today. My focus is to make you see what the, the gospel or what the Bible actually focuses on. Who, who's the focus in the Bible? So, there is a gospel. Gospel means good news. There is a news that is being communicated and being promised by God from beforehand, since Genesis. And we see that Jesus is that focus. So, we cannot understand the, the books in the Old Testament without first having a grip of the books in the New Testament. We need to look at the the writings with a lens of the new covenant. Now, when I say, uh, because I think I'm going to do another episode explaining the, what covenant meant. Actually, as we study the Bible, you're going to understand what covenant meant and what new covenant and the old covenant is. But we cannot really, really make sense of the Old Testament books without going through the lens of Christ Jesus, without understanding that somebody is actually the overarching message. Now, were there stories in the, in the Old Testament that make a lot of sense? Yes, but when we read them, we must, when we read all these books rather, we must remember that there is one person that is being communicated. So we read it through and we're saying, how does this make sense for Christ Jesus? How does this point to Christ? Where is Christ in all this? This will be how we will make sense of a whole lot of books in the Bible. Because Christ is the focus and the message of the Bible. And salvation through him and him alone. So that's the only way we can understand. So yeah, today I'm just trying to point your understanding to this part. So when I set this part, we most probably will start studying the Bible from the New Testament. Maybe one book in the New Testament, but I really want to go through the book of Genesis. So we see something, but first I establish you in the book of the, in the New Testament books, and we can go further from there. So Christ is the message. The Bible is made up of poetry, narrative, and prose, and that the Bible itself is an is a combination of books which have an overarching story. They have an overarching message. So there is a storyline, but there is a major character, there's a major plot, and there's a major message. 
Christ is that focus of the Bible. Christ, Jesus Christ, is the message in the Bible. And then the plot is salvation through him. So we see the story of the fall and we see the story of the rise again. So, yeah. So I think you need to get this part also and with the scriptures that I have quoted. So when you go back to start reading, your next question will be, how is Christ in all of this? And if you're going to join, if you if you'll be joining me on this podcast, then we'll, we'll together unveil how Christ is in the books of the Bible, or how He is the message of the Bible. Clearly, clearly, there are stories that are not related to Christ in the Bible, but why were they put in there? We will find out. Yeah. So I think this brings up a wrap on how to study your Bible and things that you need to understand. Okay. Finally, before I leave, do not read the Bible with your own thoughts, with your own preconceived thoughts. I mean. Always let the Bible interpret itself. Do not approach the Bible with your personal belief. You know, most times, I can tell you something. What you read is influenced by your preconceived notion. So that's why four people can read the same sentence and see some things differently. Why? Because both of them are reading based on their own preconceived notions. But a true Bible reader or a true Bible uh, student is one who goes to the Bible and allows the Bible interpret itself. Let the Bible interpret itself. Do not put your personal interpretation. Scripture says no scripture is of any private interpretation, but God, who's uh, the holy men of God, uh, the, the men of old spoke as moved by the Holy Ghost. So do not go in there having a preconceived notion that, hey, this is what my pastor told me and then this is what I gotta see. No. Be objective when you started the Bible. Then that's when you're going to get the message. But if you have a preconceived mindset, a preconceived notion, then there's going to be big problems in your understanding. You will end up having different understanding or different interpretation of scriptures, which is not what God intended. So yeah, I hope I've made sense with all this. Remember all that I've talked about from episode one to episode this. <laughs> so remember everything and... Most probably I'll be having some of some guests on the show to talk about some parts in the Bible and it will make a whole lot of sense to you. So I've, I've explained all this to you. I hope it makes sense to you and I hope to catch you up on the next podcast as we'll begin the Bible study proper, proper. So take care and have a good time studying the Bible. God bless you.